How's everybody doing? It's good to see you. Now, I don't know if you agree with the clip or not when he says, oh, you know, healing never works. And, uh, and even within Christian circles, there's a couple of camps. There's one group that says, well, that was for another time. That doesn't happen anymore. There's another group, uh, maybe on the other extreme, that says it happens all the time. It's got to happen. If you have enough faith, it'll definitely uh, take place. And, um, and, and really, the question that comes up is, well, Pastor Bob, what does the Bible have to say? Uh, I believe the, the Bible teaches that um, God doesn't change. And that, in fact, I put it in your notes if you have those handy. It says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus healed people throughout his ministry here on earth. He healed people spiritually. He healed people emotionally. And yes, he healed people physically. Jesus' disciples healed people. And it continues to this day when it is God's will to do so. He works the miraculous. He heals people supernaturally. But listen, and the reason that he does this is because when the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, that God rescued them out of Egypt, part of how God revealed himself to them was he revealed himself by the name of Yahweh Rapha in Exodus chapter 15, which means the God who heals you. In fact, I put it in your notes. It says, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, obey his commands and keep all his decrees, then I will not make you to suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, there is so much confusion on this subject. And uh, I, I had about three hours worth of material to share. I'm only going to share two and a half hours. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to share. I, they only give me 40 minutes, so that's all I get. So I'm going to share with you the most I can in the time that we have. But I want to share with you three truths uh, about physical healing as it relates to uh, what the scriptures have to say and in the, in the series that we've been teaching on the book of Malachi. But three truths. Here's the first one if you're a note taker. Number one is this, is that you can't predict or force it. You cannot predict or force healing. Jesus didn't actually heal every person. Uh, in, in his earthly ministry, there's a story in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, that there's this pool called Bethesda. And in the pool of Bethesda, there was this kind of a legend that people believed. And the legend was this, is that there would be this angel that would come by and stir the water. And whoever, the, whoever was the first one to jump into the water, when the angel stirred it, uh, that person would be healed. And so what would happen is, is that all kinds of people uh, that were ill and had different kinds of ailments, they would basically live at this pool, not knowing when the angel was going to stir the water. And so there's this one guy who's been there for 38 years, waiting for, for God to do something, for the angel to stir the water, so he could just, you know, uh, dive in. And so... But one day, Jesus shows up at this pool, climbs over a bunch of people to get to this one guy. And he asks him the question, do you want to be made well? He heals the guy, and then he goes on. And, and I don't know about you, but if you're like me, I'm thinking, hey, weren't there other people there? Like, why didn't, it, was it, why, why didn't we just make like an assembly line and just like start making everybody well? But that wasn't exactly what happened. And there was lots of people there, but there was this one guy that Jesus seems to have had an appointment with, and that's the guy that he healed. So you can't predict it. You can't force it. Let me tell you another thing that's important, and this is something that gets taken out of proportion in Christian circles, and that is this. Um, if you're a note taker, doctors aren't the enemy of God. Um, one of the things that happens in, in certain environments is that this is what we'll do. We'll say, well, there's doctors and medicine on one side. There's God and faith on the other, and you've got to choose which route you're going to go. And we sometimes 
uh, in, in churches will, what will say is, well, if you use medicine, that means that you don't trust God. Um, I don't believe that to be the case. Um, and, and let me explain to you why. In the story of the Good Samaritan, some of you know that story. Guy goes, uh, he's going on the Jericho Road, uh, which was kind of a bad neighborhood back then. Interestingly enough, I've been to Israel, still a bad neighborhood today. Uh, so some things don't change. But he's, he goes into this, he, he gets wiped out by these robbers. The Samaritan comes by. In fact, I put it in your notes. Let me just read it to you. It says this, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came upon the man where he was. He saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then uh, he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Listen, pouring oil on, on a wound was a common medicinal remedy in that day. Bandages are used to stop the bleeding. So listen, we can't start pitting uh, medicine and God against each other. When, what we have to do is realize that medical advancement is a gift from God, not the enemy of faith. The third thing that's important to note is this, is that not being healed doesn't mean that you've sinned. If God chooses, if you're suffering from something and God doesn't heal you, that doesn't mean you've sinned. It doesn't mean that you lack faith. It doesn't mean that you don't love the Lord. It just means that God's doing something different uh, in in your life. Jesus' disciples had a tough time with this. Let me read it to you. It says, as Jesus was walking by, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Uh, it's not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened because, so the power of God could be seen in him. So, listen, a person not being healed doesn't mean that they don't love God, doesn't mean God doesn't love them. It simply means God chose not to heal that person. You see, God may want to do another work in that person's life. Uh, it doesn't mean the person lacks faith. Uh, it simply means that God wants to do a different work through them. One, sometimes what God wants to do is show his strength through our weakness. The Apostle Paul, I think we'd all agree that this guy had all kinds of faith. Uh, he had an affliction that God did not heal him of. And in, in fact, um, this is out of the message translation. It says this in 2 Corinthians. It says, because of the extravagance of the revelations, so that I would not get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he, in fact, did was to push me to my knees. No danger danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then God told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Now, here's the thing that's important to note, if, you, if I can have your attention. Um, th- there was this TV preacher years ago, and by the way, you've got to be careful with that stuff, because sometimes Christian television is neither Christian nor television. Um, but here's, here, here's the thing, is that there was this TV preacher, and one of the things he was saying was, if you're not healed, it means that you lack faith, and you've got to, you know, it was kind of one of these things. And the guy was getting older in age, and you know what the weird thing happened? He died. Like, isn't it weird, like, when one of these faith teachers die? Because you'd think if he had enough faith, he would still be alive. Uh, but it's like, that's just kind of the normal course of life. Because, if you, uh, you know, the, the stats on death are still hovering right around 100%, uh, right? Because, listen, because physical healing is, um, at best, temporary, right? In, in Hebrews chapter 9, it says that it's appointed unto man once to die. You say, well, because even, well, didn't Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Yes, he did. But can I tell you that the, that the Lazarus reunion tour didn't last that long? Why? Because guess what? Lazarus died again. Like, I don't, not, I'm not really sure 
like if that he was blessed or not. Like, you know, Lazarus dies four days, you know, in the tomb for four days. Jesus calls him out. And then it's like, oh, man, I got to go through this whole thing again. It's like what Woody Allen said. I don't fear death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Um, and, and, you know, so, so, what, so what can we do? And, and this, I think, is really the crux of what I want to talk about. The crux of this series in the book of Malachi that we've been going through as we get to the end of the book. Um, if you can't force it, if you can't predict it, um, if it's not just about how much faith you can muster, then what can we do? And I believe that we can pray in faith, asking God to do a healing work, like this one woman that we're going to spend our time looking at. Uh, this is a woman that understood a spiritual truth found in the book of Malachi that we've been studying. And uh, for the last several weeks, we've been in a series called Covenant, and we've been talking about this um, We've been talking about this book of Malachi. And here's the cool thing is that in Malachi, for the first three chapters, it's all about what happens when we return to God. Come back to God and God wants to do all these works in all these different areas of our lives. But in chapter four, we're going to look at today is not how God wants us to come back to him, but what happens when God comes to us. And that, my friends, is uh, the crux of what we're going, what we're going to look at. And this woman that we're going to look at in a story in, in uh, the Gospel of Mark is, uh, is a powerful one because she understood a spiritual truth from Malachi chapter 4 that caused her to just push forward, that caused her to just really reach out literally and figuratively to Jesus uh, because she believed something about Jesus. She believed something about the Messiah who was coming, the Christ who was coming, that it would be one of the, that this would be one of the indicators of uh, the Messiah when he came that he would bring Healing. So let me read you the passage in Malachi, the book we've been working through for the last several weeks. Here's what it says. And by the way, normally uh, I have you uh, open your Bible and all that. But because this topic just has so many moving parts, I put all the verses we're going to cover in your notes. So later on, if you're having conversations or whatever, you can always refer back to the notes. And you're like, what did Pastor Bob say? And so anyway, it's, it'll, all, it'll all be here. Um, but here's, here's the passage that we're going to look at. He says, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day, uh, and the day which, shall, which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord. They will leave neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. And you shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Now, he says, for those of you who fear my name, that is people who are walking with God, that the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wings. Now, what does that even mean? Uh, what does it mean to have healing in your wings? Um, and how, how, how do I put all that together? Now, for this to fully make sense, I have to teach you uh, what every Torah observant Jew in Jesus' day would wear. I got this when I was in Israel several years ago. And uh, this is called... Uh, a, a, this is a shawl, and you would wear it like so when you were praying. So if you would go to like the Western Wall, you would put this on. But every Torah observant Jew would wear one of these. Uh, and then when he was going to pray, he would put it over his head. When he was really going to get serious about prayer, he would close this. It's what Jesus would call the prayer closet, if you've read the Gospels, and it talks about that. But uh, this in Hebrew is called a, the shawl is called a talit, uh, T-A-L-L-I-T. The Talit, everyone in Jesus' day wore one. But to really understand what we're going to talk about, I've got to teach you uh, two uh, words in Hebrew that really will make sense. Now, 
if you say, oh, man, he's going to really go do all the real, like, Hebrew stuff. Like, listen, we all speak several languages, right? I don't speak several. Sure you do. You speak Japanese. You don't even know it. You do. Like, you know, I go to a restaurant and I get the raw fish with the rice and what do we call it? We call it sushi, right? Yeah, because, and then you get the green stuff that goes with it and that's called pistachio ice cream. And, uh, right, that's, that goes out. That's really for my son who loves cars because that's just a, anyway. All right, so, so listen, so you know sushi, you know wasabi. Uh, you go to an Italian restaurant and you're, you know, now, you know, you're speaking Italian like Pavarotti. And, uh, but, so, but so I'm going to teach you a couple of words and I promise it won't make your brain hurt. Um, so this is, the, this is the talit, right? This is the shawl. At the ends, the borders, this is called the kanaf. And uh, this means the borders, or it could also be translated as wings. Because when um, a, a Jewish person in that time would pray in public, he would raise his arms up. We close our eyes and, and fold our hands. Uh, a Torah observant, Jew, Torah observant Jew would lift his eyes to heaven, eyes open, lifting his hands. And if you look at it, you'd say, wow, they look like wings. And that's what this says. These borders are called the kanaf. They stand for borders or wings. Uh, Jews were also required by the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, uh, to have these tassels. And that's why if you know, you're anywhere in South Florida, you see a, uh, an Orthodox Jew walking around and he'll have those tassels uh, coming out from his garment. And that, was, that is a command in the book of Numbers. And there is a reason for that. I put the Numbers passage on here. Let me read it to you. It says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come, uh, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. And you will have these tassels to look at and so that you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you will obey, him, uh, obey them and not prostitute yourselves by going after the lust of your own heart and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to the Lord. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So the idea is this, is that you would have these tassels, and the tassels would be this reminder. As you were walking around with the tassels as a Jewish person, and they would rub up against your clothes, they'd rub up against your hands or your arms or your legs, it'd be this reminder that God was with you. It'd be a reminder that, that if you thought, man, I'm not, I'm not going to obey God, I'm going to do something else. No, the, this reminder that the commands of God are with you. Now, the, the tassel, I told you, this is called the talit, the shawl. The borders are called the kanaf. The tassels are called the tzitzi, uh, which, which is, uh, you know, uh, T-Z-I-T-Z-I-T is how you spell it in Hebrew. Uh, tzitzi is how you say it in Hebrew. If you're from the south, you'd call it tzitzit, uh, which is also how you could say it. And um, so, now, to... Now, I've got to tell you all of this, right? All of this is background to kind of deal with the story that we're going to look at. Um, because this whole idea of the tassels is what this woman that we're going to read about believed about Jesus. Because she read something in the book of Malachi that the son of righteousness would come with healing in his wings. Now, if you look at the verse in Mark 5, here's what we read. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may only touch his clothes, I may be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, 
you see the multitudes thronging you and you say, who touched me? Uh, and, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, let me give you a little bit of the background in this, and then we're going to spend our time looking at the story. Um, in the beginning of Mark chapter 5, the, the, the chapter that we, we just read a portion of, Jesus has been on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He's come in contact with a guy who was demon-possessed. He heals the guy. He gets back on the boat, goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. By the time he gets to the other side, all of those people have kind of come around. So there's this huge crowd waiting for Jesus as he gets off the boat. He gets off the boat and meets this guy named Jairus. Jairus has a daughter who's 12 years old. His daughter is sick. Uh, and he says to, to Jesus, will you come to my house and heal my daughter? He says, yes, I will go. And so in the process of all of these people crowding him, thronging him, and Jesus trying to get from the boat to Jairus' house, he comes into contact with this woman who says, if I can only touch his clothes, I will be made well. She does touch the clothes, and then he says, power has gone out of me. Now, I personally love this part of the story because it adds like a little bit of a Star Wars element for me because Jesus kind of goes a little Obi-Wan Kenobi on this, and he's like, who touched me? These aren't the droids you're looking for. Anyway, so forgive me. I had a little geek moment there. Um, But what was this woman reaching for? She's reaching for the kanaf, the border. She's reaching for the seedsy. Because she believes the passage in Malachi that says that when the son of righteousness comes, he will have healing in his wings. She believes that Jesus is the Messiah. She believes that he is the Christ. And because of that, her faith is prompting her to say, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made well. In fact, let me read uh, this other verse in Luke chapter 8. It says, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border, the kanaf of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Now, she believed that Jesus was the Messiah. She believed the promise found in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, that when the Son of Righteousness comes, he will have healing in his kanaf, in his wings. You see, so what I want to do is, um, for the time that we have together, because here's, here's what, what I believe. I believe there's a whole lot of us here. There's a whole lot of us in the first service. And there, there's a whole lot of us who have sought God for different things. We've sought God for healing. Maybe it's healing physically. Maybe it's healing emotionally. Maybe it's healing relationally. And the thing that's important for us to note is that we're going to talk about um, physical healing because there's so much crazy stuff out there um, and and we want to have a balanced and biblical approach to it. But one of the things that we could talk about is um, just relational healing. The entire message could just be on relational healing because in Malachi chapter 4, what we were looking at in verse 5, he says that when the Son of Righteousness comes, he'll have healing in his wings and he will turn the hearts of fathers and sons together. People who had formerly been at odds now being reconciled and so there's relational healing that takes place. The other thing that we could look at is in chapter 4, verse 3. It talks about God giving uh, his people, when the Son of Righteousness comes, he'll have healing in his wings, and then you'll have victory. And we could be talking about emotional healing, healing from addictions and things like that. But because there's so much confusion about physical healing, I want to focus on this in our time together, if I can. 
and about how we can approach the Lord. And really, um, no matter what kind of healing we're talking about, no matter what kind of uh, request we have to bring to God, how we can approach God. So let's talk about these three things, if we can, uh, in the moments that we have together. The first one is this, is be persistent about your request. If you're taking notes, be persistent about your request. One of the things that I see with not just people in general, but I see this with all of us as, uh, as Christians, is that we pray once and then we give up. I mean, the Bible talks to us about just keep praying. The Bible says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And then the door will be open to us. But sometimes we pray once and we're like, well, it didn't work out. Let's move on. And, and, you know, and it's like, no, you keep praying until God speaks to you. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he had an affliction. He prayed three times and God said, hey, listen, here's the deal, Paul. I'm not going to heal you with this. And he said, all right, then I'm going to stop praying about it. But if God hasn't told you that he's not going to heal you of it, then you just keep praying. You keep seeking. You keep asking. You keep knocking. The Bible tells us, and in, 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 I put it in your notes, it's a simple verse in... Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, it just says, pray without ceasing. Now, if I can ask this question, how many of you have kids? Oh, good, a good group. If you're looking around, these are the people to pray for. Um, now, if you have kids, now here's something you can learn from your kids. Uh, people ask Carrie and I all the time, like, oh, you know, what, what is parenting like, especially for people who are just getting married? And uh, the word that Carrie and I use is relentless. That's what parenting is, is that it just doesn't stop. Um, because, you know, because, but we can learn so much from our kids because kids, um, they don't stop in trying to get what they want. They just kind of work different angles. So my kids ask me, Hey, can I do this? And I say, no. And they'll say, okay. So when I approached it from this way, he said, no. But if I ask him the exact same thing in a different way, he might say yes. You know, so it's like, you know, and whatever it is. So I told you this last week that on Fridays, if my kids have been good, they get to go to Target and buy a toy. That's their, that's their reward for waking up on time for school, getting dressed, no whining or complaining, and then doing well in school. They get a toy at the end of the week. Um, my son, Xander, who's three and a half, he, um, if you ask him, uh, he doesn't really know what days of the what He's kind of learning the days of the week, so he'll say, Papi, what day is it? And I'll say, today's Friday. And he's like, yes, yes. Are we going to Target today? Yes, we're going to Target today. Yes. Can, we, can, can I stay home from school so we can go to Target? No. Oh, man. And then he'll say, oh, okay. And then we'll on, on the way to school, and he'll say, Bobby, can you not take me to school and just drive to Target instead? And I'll say, no. You're going to go to school. Okay. And then I'll pick him up from school because on Friday, I'm, my, Friday's my day off, so I'll pick him up from school on Friday. And then he'll say, Bobby, um, can we go to Target? And Well, we're going to go to Target, buddy, but we're going to go have lunch first. Uh, okay, Bobby, uh, can we have lunch at Target? And I'm like, dude, no one, people eat at Target because they have to, not because they want to. You eat there because you're desperate, not because of choice. And he's like, no, but I love the food at Target. No, you don't, kid. You don't love the food at Target. And uh, yes, I do. No, you don't. And, and, but he just will not give up until he has that toy in his hot little hands. And that's when he's like, all right, now can I open it? You can open it when we get to the car. Okay, uh, what about now? No, we'll open it when well, we got to pay for it. Okay, and then the girl scans it. Can I open it now? Dude, we're not in the car. We're in the car. Can I open it now? No, don't parse my words, lawyer. Uh, you know, and, and I'm telling you, like, he just doesn't. St- and listen, uh, but to, uh, that's the thing that we can learn from our kids. Listen, kids, are, they just are, they are persistent in their requests. And too often we pray one time and we throw in the towel. 
when Paul says, when the Bible says, pray without ceasing, here's what he's talking about. that, That term, pray without ceasing in the Greek language that the New Testament was written in, it actually refers to a nagging cough. Right, we're just getting over flu season. How many of you got sick during flu season? Can I ask you that? Right, just wiped a bunch of us out. And uh, but you ever, you know, because you get over it, and then you have the cough for a couple of weeks, and you're like, <clears throat> and then you know it's like something's coming out, and uh, and you got this whole thing, and it just doesn't stop. That's what he's talking about when he says pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing means, well, I've got to quit my job and I've got to move to a mountain and I've got to get in the lotus position and start umming and whatever. No, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is just have this ongoing conversation with God. And this woman, listen, she fought through a crowd, even in her diminished physical state. With the ailment she was experiencing, she fought through a crowd to reach out to Jesus, even though multitudes were in her way because she believed something. She believed that if I could touch the kanaf, the hem of his garment, I could be made well because the Bible says that when the son of righteousness comes, he'll have healing in his wings. You see, my friends, God knows best. God knows if the best thing for us is for him to heal us and make us well. God knows if the best thing for us is not to do that, to not heal in that same way. But instead, um, but until we know. Until God speaks to us either way, we just keep believing, we keep asking, we keep seeking, we keep knocking until God answers one way or the other. So that's the first thing that we learn about this woman is be persistent in your request. The second thing is be precise in your desire. One of the ways we see God work in our lives is when we're specific about what it is that we're asking God to do. Like, here's what we do a lot of times. We'll pray prayers like this. God, I want to be happy. What does that even mean? Like, you know, but here's why sometimes, listen, if we're honest, if we're honest, right, we're all friends. We've all known each other now for like 20 minutes. Um, and we would, you know, sometimes we're just kind of lazy in our prayer and we just, we, we aren't really precise. And so we'll say, God bless our family. What does that even mean? You know, sometimes that problems are, are blessings. You ever learn that? Like some problem comes in your life and then later you're like, man, what a blessing that was. So when you say, God bless our family, are you saying, God, please give us a bunch of problems? I don't know, because if, if that's your prayer, you, you need to see somebody. Um, but, you know, why? so we don't, we don't do that because we don't want a bunch of problems. Heap them on, Lord. No, no, keep those away. We only want the good stuff. And, uh, but, you know, it's like, you know, God, bless me at work. That is not as helpful of, as a prayer as God, help me to make the most of my time at work by being alert, productive, and a great example of someone who follows you. My friends, that's a prayer that God can answer. And you can actually watch God work because the specificity of your prayer now has a direct relation to the result that's happening. This woman was very specific about her request. She had one desire. I want to touch the kanaf, the hem of his garment. And I know that if I can do it, I can be made well. That's why the Bible forces us to be specific when it comes to healing. In fact, let me read you this verse from the book of James. It says this, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. You see, well, why is that? Why is it that if someone is sick, they should actually be anointed with oil? And let me just tell you that if you go to a Christian bookstore, um, they have like all, they have like this whole array of oils. Like they have like this oil that's like, oh, it's like a rose oil. Then they have another oil, which is, it's almost like it's like extra strength. 
Like this one has like real mojo, like real good mojo. Um, and, and it's like, and they have all this stuff as if the oil is the thing that actually heals people. Let me tell you something. You can use whatever kind of oil you want. Um, because you know, and, and you can use your Lando lakes. Uh, does Lando lakes make oil? They make butter. Don't they don't rub butter on your head. That doesn't work. <laughs> okay. That's not in the notes. Um, but here's the thing is that it's not the oil. It's what the oil represents. Oil throughout the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit. And so when a person is being anointed with oil, it's the power of the prayer going to God saying, God, we're trusting you. We want your Holy Spirit to come upon this person and do what only you can do. And so we pray specifically for what it is that God is, for what it is that God is doing. Um, so be precise in your desire. Here's the third one, and that is be prepared for an answer. Be prepared for an answer. Can I be honest with you? Uh, this is one, uh, There have been moments in my life as a pastor that I have lacked faith in this area. Uh, several years ago, I was visiting a woman at, at the, in the hospital who was very ill. And, and i got to tell you something. I mean, um, I've visited a lot of people in the hospital. I've officiated hundreds of funerals. And... Yet, um, I walked into this hospital room and I was so taken back by what I saw. I saw a woman hooked up to more cables, um, electrical kind of things. She had this uh, thing that almost looked like a crown of thorns that had all these kind of electrical nodes or whatever going back and forth. And uh, she was hooked up to all these machines. She was still speaking somewhat. I mean, she couldn't say a lot. She was in so much pain. I asked her how she was. She says, I'm in the most pain I've ever been in in my life. And so she called because she wanted uh, someone to come and anoint her with oil. And, uh, and we did, uh, I did that. And, uh, and, and here, let me tell you what happens when I, when, when I saw her. I thought, this is it. God is going to take her. God's going to take her to heaven, and she's going to be healed when she steps from this life to the next. And, uh, God, you know, she's, she's, she's going to go to heaven. There's not going to be any pain or sorrow or death, no tears, no mourning. I mean, she's going to be made whole. That's what's going to happen. And I thought, man... Do I even anoint her with oil? I mean, this, it was so bad. And I said, well, I'm just, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it. And I did it. And then the next day, another one of our pastors went over to go see her. And, uh, and so when he got back, I said, hey, how'd it, how'd it go? He said, it went great. So what, you know, what do you mean? I said, you know, it was real bad. He said, no, she was sitting up. She was eating. She was talking, laughing. I said, hold on. What's the name of the woman you went to go see? And so this woman, I said, no, no, no. That woman was knocking on death's door yesterday when I had this really weak prayer that I prayed. And uh, he's like, well, she's doing great now. And, uh, but interestingly enough, she didn't ask about you. Um, that she wanted somebody else today. And, uh, so, and, and, and I'm telling you, all the tubes were out. She's sitting up eating. And, and I, she, she, God is doing a great work in her, and I'm just totally floored. Why? Because I wasn't prepared for God to act. And Jesus mentions this woman's faith is what prompted God to do the healing work because she believed that God was able to heal her. Now, listen, there are times that God chooses not to heal. And there are times that I've prayed for people to be healed physically, and God has chosen not to do that. Listen, but I always want to pray. We should always seek to pray as a person believing that God wants to do a work in their life and just praying in faith that God wants to do a, 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 good, a good work in them. Well, what if I don't have any faith? Well, let me tell you something. Everybody has faith. Well, atheists don't have faith. Of course they have faith. 
They have faith that they've figured everything out in the universe uh, and that there's, uh, through their empirical evidence, they, there's no way that a God could exist because of the faith they have in the evidence and in their reason. Everybody has faith. Everybody has faith either in themselves, in their own ability to figure things out. They have faith in their resources and what their resources uh, can, can afford them. They have faith in some other person. We all have faith. The question is, who or what is our faith in? Now, what builds our faith? The Bible says that, the God, that actually God's word builds our faith. In your notes, Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you actually read the Bible, here's what happens. You'll start reading the Bible and, and you'll find out how God worked in the lives of other people. That God did miraculous things. And that if Jesus really is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if he did that for them, why couldn't he do it for me? We're also able to learn about the promises of God. That God actually really does have wonderful promises, a wonderful plan for us. And sometimes we miss out. We don't even realize the work that God wants to do in us. Listen, let me tell you a prayer that every single one of us has. We all have a prayer that we all want to do well. We all want to be successful. We all want to uh, provide for our families in a great way. We all want to have enough money to send the kids to college and do things like that. But there's a promise. Here's what the Bible says. In Joshua 1.8, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. God says if we meditate on his word, if we read it, if we think about it, if we think it over, if we internalize it and live it out, that he'll make our way prosperous and that we'll have success. That's a promise. Maybe you're here and here's what you want to do. You just, you're like, man, I'm just wiped out. I want to give up. I, I just, th- this is not getting better. Let me tell you the promise that God has for you. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So he says, don't give up. You keep hoping in God and here's what's going to happen. He's going to renew your strength. In the Bible, there's over 7,000 promises of what God's desire is for you. Why not get familiar with them? Why not internalize them and know what is God's heart towards you in your life? The Bible says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. Another translation says they are plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That verse has come to mean the world to me over the last few years. Some of you know, some of you don't, that about three years ago, uh, my daughter Mia, who's six, she had a severe allergic reaction to penicillin. She got strep. The doctor prescribed penicillin, and um, they thought that she had contracted uh, a virus called Stephen Johnson syndrome. Stephen Johnson syndrome is this very aggressive virus that basically destroys all the tissue that separates your skin from your muscle, and it just kind of eats away like a bacteria throughout your body. Uh, People with Stephen Johnson syndrome have a 5% survival rate. Um, She was seen by several doctors. She started to swell up, which is the, um, that's one of the signs 
is that she start, you know, you, you start to swell up. Her face swelled two to three times the so- her normal size. Her fingers started to swell up. Her feet started to swell up. She couldn't walk. She couldn't even hold a crayon because her, um, because uh, she was swollen so much. She was admitted to Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital to treat her. And um, we were admitted on a Friday. And on a Saturday, uh, the next day, they, uh, they, they didn't really know what to do. And they said, you know, there's, all we can do is do our best to make her comfortable. There's, there's nothing we can do to really treat her. And so they tried, they gave her Motrin, they gave her uh, Benadryl, but that was it. And, um, and I remember that she had to go to the bathroom and she couldn't walk. And so she asked if I would carry her. So I pick her up and I carry her a few steps over to the bathroom. I turn on the light and there's this big mirror and she sees herself for the first time after this whole thing. And her face is totally distorted. And she says, Bobby, why do, why do I look so different? And I said, um, it's going to be okay. And um, so Friday night, Saturday comes, and um, she goes to sleep. And they told us that if she keeps swelling up, if this inflammation goes to her throat, they're going to have to intubate her. So they hadn't gotten there. They were going to wait until the morning to make that decision about intubating her or not. And um, they, the doctors weren't telling us very much, and I think they just didn't want to freak us out, so they just weren't really saying anything. And um, so Carrie, my wife, goes to sleep with me on the bed, and there's a chair there, and I'm sitting on the chair. And um, I cried out to God like I've never cried out in my entire life. And, uh, and I, you know, you have these, these moments, and I'm just begging God to just heal her. And I'm like, God, she's, just, she's three years old. And you just kind of have these bargaining moments with God. And, and I just prayed and I said, God, I'm begging you just to give it to me. God, I'm okay. If you just kill me on the spot, I'm fine. But just take this girl's three years old. You just can't, please. And, uh, and I had this moment of indignation where I started telling God all the things that I had done for him. And I'm like, you know, I could have done anything with my life. And I went and got a theology degree. And, and then I and, I, and I ran this college and trained all these leaders. And then I came and started this church from nothing for you. And, and, and how could you let this stuff happen to me? And my friends, in, 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 uh, in my desperation, God spoke to me. And he said to me, Bob, I know. I know what it's like to watch your child suffer. I watched my son get crucified. And I had this moment. It's the most significant moment in my entire life where I had to decide if I, followed, if I was going to follow God just because of all the good things that came or if I was going to follow him no matter what. And, um, and I prayed a prayer. Um, and, I, and I was terrified when I prayed it. And I said, God, if you take Mia, if you take her to heaven, um, I will be heartbroken because my life is bound up in her. But I want you to know that no matter what, I'm going to follow you. So if you take her, listen, I'm, I'm going to be devastated, but I'm not going to stop following you. <clears throat> the next morning, Sunday morning, Mia was noticeably better. 
Half a day later, she was taking steps because the swelling started to go down. And then um, she said, uh, and she said that she was hungry, but she hadn't eaten really anything for three or four days. And I said, um, I said, Mama, you want, you want something to eat? I, I said, we, there's a McDonald's downstairs. I can get you a milkshake. She said, oh, I would love a vanilla milkshake. I've never been so happy to go to McDonald's in my whole life. Um, and, I, and I bought her a milkshake, and I got one too for myself. And, um, and we, shared a, we shared a milkshake together. Um, Monday, she was home. It took her a couple of weeks to get back to normal. But listen, today, my daughter just celebrated, a couple of weeks ago, celebrated her sixth birthday. She's 100% healed, 100% whole, and she's well. And, here, and here's the thing, my friends, um, that God, God did that amazing work. And, and we had to teach her that, you know, she's allergic to penicillin and whatever. And, you know, when you're three and you got to teach kids that, you know. You know, and so we have this conversation. Do you have any allergies? Mia, do you have any allergies? Well, yes, I do. What are you allergic to? Godzilla. No, not Godzilla. You're allergic to penicillin. What are you allergic to? Godzilla. No, you're allergic to penicillin. Anyway, so we teach you that. And um, here's what I want you to know. I tell you all of this to tell you this. There is a God in heaven who loves you. Who loves you so passionately who loves you with an even greater love that those of us who are parents even have for our own kids. To such a greater degree. And listen, that, that our God has this desire to do good in your life, to bless your life. Listen, that some of you are here and that God would just want to seek to do good, that if you need to be healed, listen, in many cases, maybe God would do that. Maybe there are relationships that are, that are on the rocks that God would do uh, some re- a relational healing work. Some of you, you're struggling with addiction and all this stuff and that maybe God wants to do an emotional type of healing in your life. But listen, there is a God in heaven that loves you deeply and wants to work in your life, that wants to do good in your life, that the plans he has for you, according to that verse in Jeremiah, are plans of peace and not of evil. They're plans to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray together. And Lord, we thank you for that promise and for that truth that you want to do a work in us. That your plans for us are of peace to give us a future and a hope. Help us to believe that. Help us to embrace that. Help us to walk in that promise and in that reality that, Lord, we might experience the fullness of life as a follower of yours the fullness of life as a believer that we might know who you are, a loving heavenly father who loves his kids in Jesus name.